Our world has so many mixed up crazy things to say about what they think the Word of God says about being a woman. And so what, what does it actually say? Join me as we look into God's Word as we dive into this series to see what does Scripture really have to say. And we're going to consider some hard truths, some hard considerations, some hard thoughts. We'll try to figure out is what God's Word says, is it outdated? Is it this unreachable lifestyle? Or rather, is it something that's still reachable and necessary? Hey guys, my name is Jessica Hartzold and I am obsessed with all things Jesus. I am a lover of my Bible and a pursuer of our Lord, but I am also a woman who makes mistakes and doesn't always get it right. I haven't always been a follower of Jesus. Boy, have I not. However, during one of the most difficult times of my life, God illuminated for me the power of a choice and this gift of free will. She Chooses is a podcast purpose to help you fall in love with Jesus. And in doing so, learning how to harness this gift of free will by taking life one choice at a time. Let's get started. As we walk through this study, we're going to pour ourselves out in prayer and cover all of these different aspects, seeking godly wisdom and understanding. C.S. Lewis was once quoted to say this, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. This is such a powerful statement, one that can cause us to wrestle with our own flesh. It's gonna challenge our ideas and traditional ways of thinking, but one that will utterly destroy every stronghold in our mind once we receive it. Walking through this study is likely gonna catch you in a sandpaper moment or two, or 75, and you're instinctively going to want to toss this study out because truth be known, we don't wanna hear some of it and we don't want to believe other pieces of it. And it certainly isn't going to feel good to our flesh all the time. It's been my experience when I encounter these sorts of moments. If I will force myself to take what God has written and surrender myself in prayer to truly reach for understanding, that I find rather than God changing things, removing what I don't like in that scripture, he will actually change my attitude. And ultimately, he removes that stronghold, that barrier in my mind that attempts to block me from receiving God's truth, God's plan, and God's way. Friends, we live in a world that has misunderstood and completely misrepresented biblical womanhood. Unfortunately, this has resulted in these slithering ideas that have crept into our mind, and they have caused us to unwittingly embrace things. And we haven't any clue. Biblical womanhood is not the bondage that this world professes that it is. It doesn't force us into a state of living where we're considered a thoughtless nothing of society. Not at all. If you truly study the scripture and you couple it with prayer, what we find, ladies, is that God has said amazing things about women and has used them mightily in his kingdom all throughout time. He knows our abilities. 
He is indeed our maker. He knows our instincts. He knows our shortcomings and he also knows our strengths and what's required to draw them out of us. The thing that is gonna activate us to reach for our fullest potential, the potential that he destined us for. Oftentimes we wonder, what is my place, God? And we bounce from one self-help book to another or the ear of one surmising friend to another or click on one YouTube link after another and we're pursuing all of these different theories, skipping over the one book that we've been given by our great maker, the one who designed our wonderfully complex inner makings. We assume everyone else knows what they're talking about, but when it comes to God, oh no, 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 certainly what he has said, it must be outdated. And we miss it. We willingly exchange truth for a lie. And in doing so, guys, we remove ourselves from ever reaching our purpose potential. And we do it by turning ourselves away from the impact that God has desired for our life to make. You are purpose-filled, my dear. God has positioned you in a place where your life is supposed to produce this beautiful, ripple effect of impact, wonderful God impact. So guys, join me over the next few weeks as we work to embrace this beautiful gift that God has given. Are you enjoying the She Chooses podcast? If so, do me a favor and share it. Send a link to a friend you think will enjoy the episode or post a link on social media or leave a review wherever you choose to podcast. When you do that, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for others to join in and learn right along with us. The pursuit of biblical womanhood, it begins with awareness of our heart. Talking about women in the Bible, it used to instinctively create an eye roll of annoyance in me. I would think to myself, keep that old-fashioned stuff. I don't really want that at all. There are things in God's Word. Ladies, it's hard to receive. You know, read about the Proverbs 31 woman. Man, whew, you'd be exhausted by the end of those verses. Or what do you mean I have to submit? Why is my order in the home God, my husband, and then me? I don't know any woman that has ever heard that she's required to submit and thought, yes. These are just a couple of instances that are difficult to receive at first. But all of these things, they are indeed in there. So if we really want to find our place, we really want to live our purpose and be the vessel God has made us to be, we can't just push them away. We can't discredit them because God, he never, ever, 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 ever changes. So if it's in there, it still stands and we need it, like it or not. So what do we do if we aren't sure that we want it? First, let's be honest. You're not alone. If the idea of submission makes you cringe, or if you first look at Abraham, Moses, and Paul compared to Leah, Hannah, and Gomer, and would rather study the guys, you're not alone in that. Friends, our, our flesh is thick. Abraham, Moses, and Paul, it is with pristine clarity that God used them and he used them immensely. 
they are all over the scriptures. To see the beauty of Leah, or the promise in Hannah, or the personal parallel between us and Gomer, you, you got to do some digging, some cutting away at our flesh and tearing down ideas of our culture to receive the immensity of their life and purpose of what God has for us in their lives. The story that he, the record that he chose to, there's work that must be done to find their beauty in these stories. But the fact that there is work required, it's not an excuse for our dismissal. Again, every word of God is indeed profitable. So to get around this feeling, we've got to step back. We've got to find our starting point, a beginning point, which really isn't just a beginning point. It's something we hold on to for the rest of our lives. So anyone that's listening and has lived for Jesus for years you still need to listen because this is something we learn to get better at as our relationship with God grows. The Lord, he he decided he made us women. And if we ever want to step into the hope and future that God has promised us, we need to be pursuing biblical womanhood with everything that we've got. And that pursuit begins with awareness of our heart. I've been studying my heart and what love really is. As I've thought about it, I keep thinking of one of my favorite, 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 favorite songs. It's King of My Heart, and it's it's written by Sarah and John Mark McMillan. Just a few of the lyrics I am not going to sing to you. It says this, Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom of my life. Oh, he is my song, because you are good. Does anyone else love this song? If you have not heard this song, you better jump on over to Spotify or YouTube or whatever music you listen to and Google it. Or I don't even know if listening on Spotify is called Googling, but find it, listen to it. It will bless your heart. The more I study my heart, I find I've jumped to love and Webster's definition for it, which says this. It says that it's an intense feeling of deep affection. This definition makes this song beautiful. But what I found is I've studied that looking at it according to how scripture uses the word heart, it goes a level or a lot of levels deeper, and it takes on a radically different meaning. Let's consider for a moment, how does scripture use this word? When we look to scripture, we have got to understand it's more like a metaphor. It refers to our core. It's made up of our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. When we look at it in that context, this song begins to beg some questions, or rather it should start to beg some questions and open an opportunity for some deep reflection. If you've got a pen and paper, write these down and spend time reflecting and praying through them. These are scary thoughts. These are scary prayers, but they are oh so absolutely necessary. The first is this. Is God really the king of my heart? Again, we're talking about our thoughts, our will, our emotion. Is he really the echo of my days? And the third is, 
is he really my song when it comes to my emotions? Ladies, I will tell you, there have been some moments in our home where I have found it is very clear he is not the echo of my days because with full transparency, the echo of my days on some days sounds more like, go to your room, I need a minute, which is really a reminder of my ever-present need for Jesus and the fact that this work of the heart, it's a life's work. And it's proving to me when the Lord tells us to guard it, what he means is guard it and do it daily. Just as we can be guilty of looking at this song, this beautiful, wonderful song in terms of an emotional love with that sort of definition, having deep affection and it's conditional how we feel, oftentimes we're guilty of reading about the heart in scripture with that same lens, which leads us to a disservice, crazy disservice, because it causes us to settle for this service level understanding, which it's a good start. We have to start somewhere, but God doesn't want us to stall out at surface level. No, his desire is for our roots to stretch deep, just as the roots of a tree stretch further as the years go by, reaching for that scent of water. God desires the same for us. He wants us to be rooted, allowing our roots to stretch deeper and deeper in him as he works to transform us, us, to the women the woman that we are called to be. Our scripture focus for this episode is Ezekiel 32, 26. The ESV version says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Which as we study, we're going to see is a true miracle. Imagine God, he can take this heart of stone, the one that's been hardened by years of pain, addiction, sadness, sin, and by his grace and love, transform it to a heart of flesh, something he can work with, moldable. All throughout scripture, God, he gives us the natural to explain to us the spiritual. So taking that truth, we're going to apply that here. He likens our heart in this verse to a stone. So we're going to do some comparing and what are those characteristics of a stone? The first, cold. They do not hold heat. Maybe you can do things to warm them up, but it's not going to stick. That's exactly like our heart. We can get on fire for the Lord, but if you don't do something to keep things moving, we're going to grow cold to him again. You know, how many of us can be honest and think back to a time where we were super passionate about him until we weren't? because we got distracted. Another characteristic of a stone is it's hard. You can't easily penetrate a stone. You can stick that thing in water for days. Nothing's going to happen to it. The third characteristic I want to call out is that thing is dead. It has no feeling. It can't sense things. That stone is cold, hard, dead. That's what the Lord is likening our heart to without him. So let's move on to the importance of the heart, because my word, guys, the heart, it's its a big deal for us. Again, likening the natural to explain us the spiritual, let's look at our heart. According to Cleveland Clinic, I read this, it said this, every minute, our heart pumps about five quarts of blood through a system of blood vessels that stretches over 60,000 miles long. You want to know what 60,000 miles long looks like? 
it's enough to go around the world more than twice. It's immense and way more intricately woven throughout us than we realize at all, which we find to be true about our spiritual heart the more we study and open ourselves to God. Our heart, our physical heart, it beats 100,000 times a day. That's over 2.5 billion times in the average life. Our heart is powerful. It literally radiates throughout our core, fueling our existence. If it stops beating, we cease to exist. Our heart is vital to us physically. And as we see throughout the Old and New Testaments, it's equally as vital spiritually. And just as much focus as we put on maintaining or obtaining a healthy physical heart, we need to do the same for our spiritual heart. Because just as a heart disease is the number one cause of physical death, limiting the length of our natural life, I would go to say that heart disease in our spiritual man is the number one cause of our spiritual death, limiting the length and impact of our spiritual life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 in the King James Version says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That verse says, guard your heart. Guard your heart, friends. When we hear this verse, we often correlate it with love as as defined by an intense feeling of deep affection. Focusing on our feelings, we almost romanticize it, playing in our mind images of romantic movies that make our heart, they tingle, we skip a beat, or the love we have for our family or our friends. But the word doesn't say keep thy word, it says keep thy heart, which involves more, remember? It's, it's our core, it's our mind, it's our will, our emotions. So let's jump to the heart in scripture. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Or 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 in the New Living Translation. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. These are just a couple of verses that show the heart matters to God. Ladies, we can be Barbie beautiful, but if our inward man is filled with a nasty spirit, God sees that. It's what he looks at. If we look at this scripture in 1 Samuel, Jesse's older brothers had the looks of a king, but God wanted David. God wanted the youngest, the shepherd. He didn't look as kingly as the others, but God, he didn't look on his outward appearance. He looked straight to his heart and he saw that it was good. And it's been, it's been causing me to ask, to turn this thought into a prayer and say, God, what does my heart look like to you? And honestly, what he's been showing me, I've got work to do. I bet perhaps you've got some work to do too. I'm not alone in this heart issue. If we're all honest, we would all be raising our hands in admission. It's not a source of shame. It's not just our generation. This heart issue has been around ever since Eve, and every generation throughout time has been dealing with it. Because the heart, according to chapter Deuteronomy chapter 5, 29, says, Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. 
This verse, it speaks about that renewed heart, a fear, a reverence of God. This verse is speaking to the fact that it's a powerful thing to have a heart after God, benefiting not just us, but our children too, both natural and spiritual. So what's our natural state? Well, we find that plain and clear in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it tells us the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's stony. It's hard. It's full of iniquity. It's stubborn. Who loves evil? Is a fountain of evil. It's wayward. It's blind. It's double-minded. It's instable. It's hard. It's deceitful. It's proud. It's subtle. It's hypocritical, sensual, worldly, malicious, impenitent, diabolical. It's covetous. It's foolish. We hear all of that in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, Ecclesiastes eight eleven, or Second Peter chapter two, verse fourteen. But knowing this, knowing this, having this awareness that our heart in its natural state is prone to wandering, we need to wonder, what do we do? What do we do understanding that our natural state is this enmity with the Lord? Well, we give it to the Lord. So how do we give our whole heart to God? The first is water baptism. Water baptism begins this process. It's this circumcision of the heart, if you will. It's that moment where we turn away from our old life, our old ways, and we commit ourselves to give the Lord our heart. But replacing our stony heart with a new heart, it's not a one and done thing that happens in that moment. It's a process. And that process we work through is sanctification. And we've been talking about that. And we will always be talking about that because whew, we are not perfect which tends to be one of those dirty, dirty thoughts or dirty words in scripture that our flesh wants to push away. No one wants to talk about sanctification, but it's necessary and it's a truth. So we're baptized and the process is set into motion. But you know what? I don't know about you, but once I was baptized, I wasn't made perfect. That was, I don't know, like 20 ish years ago and I still have a mountain to climb if I ever want to get anywhere near it. Over the course of these years I've battled bitterness. I've battled a competitive spirit, jealousy, cattiness, hurt, heartache, unforgiveness, and a judgmental attitude. And just within the past few days I've battled frustration and my emotions. Reminding me I better be standing my guard. This world and its culture has tried to harden the hearts of women when it comes to our placement in God's kingdom. We look to the Proverbs 31 woman and man, we are exhausted by her. She's perfect. We immediately dismiss what she teaches us about our roles in our homes and the enemy of our soul. He whispers lies, opening up those slithering thoughts, attempting to turn us away from the truth of who God says we are and his strong purpose for us in his kingdom. Because ladies, our purpose in God's kingdom is huge. And if we truly step into our calling, look out hell. The enemy knows these things. He's not ignorant at all. And he's going to do all he can to throw us off, attempting to get us to buy into ideas that are not godly, causing us to be distracted by petty things that turn into these mountainous ideas, doubting our ability to impact those around us and minimizing our worth, attempting to get us to cower in thoughts of iniquity depression, anxiety, and all the things that we think about. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin. Unrepented, unrepented of sin creates a hardness in our heart. It's like a callus. It's like a wall begins to form, shutting different areas of our heart off. It's that place in our mind, that space in our heart, a wall goes up and it says, nope, that is not for you, God. And we can get to a place where we are totally oblivious to it even being there. And that place shows characteristics of that stone. It's cold, it's dead, it's hard. So if we really want to have the heart God desires of us, we can't stop at that place of water baptism. We have to push on to receive the Holy Ghost, just as the scripture has said. That acts experience. We have to pursue sanctification, that place where the rubber meets the road, and we truly accept that there is work to be done. And we understand that there will be some sandpaper, like less of me, more of you moments that God truly desires of us. The kind where we experience him as the great physician as he takes our heart of stone and begins to give us the soft heart that he desires for us. Those sandpaper moments are places where you can feel God. He's actually smoothing out the rough edges of our will, our emotions, and our thoughts, and it stinking hurts. And in these moments, we're tempted to give up because no one likes pain. No one likes to tell their flesh no. No one likes change. We're tempted to give up and turn around because it is not comfortable. Who wants to admit that the life we are pursuing is not godly? The career we're pursuing is not God's will? Or the relationship we're desiring is against the word of God? Or that we really think we know better about something than our husband, or if you're not married, you disagree with something your pastor has said? We don't want to submit. Do we really want to hold back those words of disrespect when a man in our life hurts us? No, we don't. We don't want to do any of these things. But learning to be gracious, the power of meekness, because power submitted to a higher authority. Guys, that is amazing and so stinking powerful. That's what meekness is defined as. These things, learning them all, they're absolutely necessary. Surrendering our will to you, God's, our emotions to God, our thoughts to God, isn't comfortable and it certainly is not easy. Disrespect when I'm angry, whew, my flesh craves that like one of those round lint chocolates with that yummy, savory, smooth chocolate. Ooh, my flesh desires that. But it's important in those moments that we push through. We literally cast our anger and refuse to move, holding on to God's word and his promise of hope and future. Proof that we aren't alone and the difficulty is there. God acknowledges that this is not an easy thing. And Jeremiah 24 and 7 tells us, and I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. There's two baskets of figs. God showed Jeremiah two baskets of figs, one filled with good, the other filled with bad. The good figs represented good people from Judah that had been taken captive into Babylon. And he said he had carried them away into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. He said, I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. The people of Judah had ample opportunity to walk away from God during their captivity. 
I'm sure that situation looked hard, full of doom. But God, he loves his people. His desire in this moment was to root them deeply and bring them to a place where he could get their whole heart, which is the same for us. No, we're not being carried into captivity, thankfully, but we can be led through situations and trials that seem awful to us. But God, he's saying, hey, just trust me. There's something in this for you. Our heart is actually softened by these situations and trials that we walk through. Things that at first glance, just like submission or the Proverbs 31 woman or the Titus 2 woman, they seem impossible and maybe a little repulsive. But God doesn't just want half of our heart. He wants our whole heart. So these situations work to soften us. I decided that I wanted God in my life when I was 20. I didn't decide I wanted to be a disciple of Christ until I was 28. In those eight years of time, God, he took me through things that I went through kicking and screaming and crying, saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And each of these situations he used to break up places within my heart, places I never even realized were so hardened that they were completely shut off to him. You know, do I believe that in this space where I am right now that I have arrived? No, absolutely not. Do I have the heart that God desires? No, but I'm not who I once was. And as I've been praying and studying this, I've, I've been asking God to give me awareness. Show me the hardened places in my heart and give me a willingness to see them. And he's doing it and it hurts, but this work is necessary if I ever want to be the woman he desires me to be. And the same is true for you. Ladies, this is not a circumcision that's mindless. This is not a mindless circumcision of the heart. There's some things we've got to do. We've got to be intentional. That's the first thing. We see this when we look at the parable of the soils. The good ground was a good heart. Luke 8.15 says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The good soil heard the word. They kept it and brought forth fruit with patience. I'm not an expert on patience at all. Just ask my kids or eh, better yet, ask my husband. But here's what I do know. It takes effort and focus. Further proof is seen with David. He said in Psalms 57 and 7, David said, My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. You know what David was singing? My will, mind, emotions, the core of who I am is fixed on you, oh God. That's what he was saying. When David penned Psalms 57 and 7, he was complaining after fleeing from the cave away from Saul. But he pushed through this complaint. He understood the state of his heart and intentionally brought himself to a submission to God's will, not his own. It was every bit intentional because keeping our heart, that stony heart hot toward the Lord is intentional. The next thing we do is we focus. We read the word to learn about God's will and what he says about us. Can we really know if we're not reading his word? Can we really know his will if we don't know what he has written? It's absurd. Can we really know our place in his kingdom if we aren't reading his plan? No. In Matthew chapter 6, we learn about laying up our treasure, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
if we spend time investing in things of this world, our treasure is going to be in this world. And that is where heart, our mind, will, emotions will be wired toward. Looking like the women in those ads, getting that next promotion. If I could just have that house. If I could just live like she lives. If I could just find a husband. If I could just be happy like they're happy. Whatever it is in this world that you're chasing after. But if we spend time focusing on knowing God, investing in learning about the things of heaven, learning about God's will, seeking understanding about what he says our role as a woman is, or seeking revelation to the talents that he's placed in our hand, then, then we begin to store treasure in things of heaven, which is exactly where you'll find your heart, a heart that is softened to things of the kingdom. And we don't quit. The softening of our heart is a lifestyle built around awareness, learning to filter, filter our thoughts, catching those that are running through our mind unsubmitted to God and bringing them into captivity. It's asking God to give us that awareness to our thoughts, our emotions, the core of who we are, and granting us a willingness to see those areas that we are hardened to as word. Softening our heart really does require fasting, like real fasting, a sacrifice from our flesh, so that we can spend time with the Lord in a heightened state where this stony heart can be pierced, where we can see clearly with transparency, no God, that relationship I'm running after, that is actually against your word. We can spend our lives investing in our relationship with Jesus. Early, when I first started, I first decided I wanted Jesus in my life, I heard someone say that they had read through the Bible 75 times, one time a year to that point, and every single time they learned something more. That right there is an example of never giving up, maintaining the fire for the Lord, fanning that flame. We give, our, we give ourselves grace as we reach for His. I've asked for awareness, and God has given it. I was walking on our second level at work a while back. I was rounding a corner to get on an elevator. I caught myself in a thought that was totally away from God. I reached for this button to hit the elevator, and I grabbed that thought, and I said, Thank you, Lord for letting me see this. Forgive me for this thought and help me to rid my mind of such things. Are we going to slip up? Yep. More than once. Are we going to understand the need for sanctification at first? Nope. Do we see why each characteristic of the Proverbs 31 is necessary? Not immediately. But that isn't an excuse to stop pursuing the Lord or to push pause on our relationship with him for one day. No, it's time to press through. Thank God for showing you what he's showed you. Ask forgiveness and another opportunity and keep pressing. Or when that woman that drives you insane says something to, to you and all you want to do is roll your eyes of disrespect because you know the spirit behind her words, you stop. You use that filter. You let God show you his will and that she is a soul that he loves just as much as he loves yours. And you give her grace. You show her love. You offer her forgiveness. If you're investing in a relationship with him, you're reading his word. You're seeking to apply it, to activate it. You can be confident he is doing a work. Promise. His word, it does not return void. That is your promise. You'll stand amazed at how investing in your relationship with God through reading his word, praying, asking for understanding, seeking his will in different situations, you'll be amazed at just how much you're going to grow in your pursuit to be the woman he's created you to be. 
You'll be amazed at how the things you thought you would never agree with in scripture become something you love. You, tr- you cherish it. It has become treasure to you. You hold it so dearly. And just how quickly the characteristics of that Proverbs 31 woman, with her getting up early, staying up late, her business-minded, doing everything for everyone nature, is no longer repulsive, but it's something you yearn for. Because your awareness of the natural state of your heart is no longer viewed as an excuse or an entitlement to sidestep something the Lord has said, but a characteristic that you refuse to allow to control you a moment longer, bringing you a desire to learn to control and bring into obedience to our Lord as an opportunity to draw closer to Him and experience the crazy, passionate love He has for us in an entirely new light. It's worth it, friends. I promise you it is so worth it. And as I wrap this episode up, I leave you with one last action item. Begin to pray over your heart specifically. Ask God to show you places where your heart is hardened and give you a willingness to see those hard places. And as he does, pray over them. Pray for God to make your soul good ground and to help you hear the word and keep it. I wonder today, how do you guard your heart? Do you have tips for guarding your heart? If so, drop them in a comment on the She Chooses Facebook or Instagram page. Share what you're doing because what you're doing and finding success with is probably going to help someone else. So today, I want to invite everyone to share those tips for guarding your heart. And I want you to remember Ezekiel 32, 26, where it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You can take this heart of stone and by his grace and love, transform it to this heart of flesh. And we're going to pray that God would help us to keep thy heart. And we're going to remember that it involves way more than we think and from that surface level perspective, because really that means we're going to keep our mind, our will, our emotions. And we're going to be intentional. We're going to focus and we're not going to give up. We're going to pray over our hearts specifically. And we're going to ask the Lord throughout this study to help us step away from any preconceived ideas, what we may think, and open our mind to see what He says. That He would help us not push away from the things that we don't like, but help us to reach for His truths by choosing Jesus. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. Thank you for taking time to listen. I hope over the next few days, you'll take some time and really think about what we just went over. Look for a way to apply it. It's when we activate the word that we really start to step into the life that Jesus desires for us to live, that authentic Christian living. If you found this episode helpful, share it. And please leave a review. When you do, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. And if you're like me and you like to digest information in varying forms, you can find the full episode transcript on the She Chooses website. Check out the show notes for a direct link. And hey, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, making sure you never miss an episode.